This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to One Heat Minute. I am your host, Blake Howard, and joining me again is Mr. Andy Buckle at Buckle22, my friend and writer and worker for Fetch, but also contributor to nonlineuniverse.com, previous contributor to Graffiti with Punctuation, and what we learnt last time, which I've teased, I said, I promise you, Andy, will say this in the next episode that he does of the One Heat Minute podcast, a guy who loves Heat so much, it's in his top 10 films all time. Andy, welcome back to One Heat Minute. Thank you very much. Great to be back. <laughs> Um, and you're at, you're right. It's uh, it's uh, moved into my top ten after a recent viewing. Talk to me. Uh, look, it's it's always been hovering around that region, but it's it's just a, a masterful film from start to finish. And I admired some new things about it. Uh, I talked last time about its efficiency and the fact that it fits so many story arcs into a single film. It's got these powerhouse performances, and for me, it, yeah, it's just always been one of my favorites. But I, yeah, I can't argue with... Well, look, I think if your resume says that Heat is in your top 10, you deserve to be on this podcast and we love having you. So thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, thank you very much. All right. We are at a really interesting minute. Heat is a fantastic film. Andy talks about its efficiency, but it kind of is working along on two very close parallel um, sort of locomotives, the story of Neil's crew and then Vincent's crew. And then at a certain moment, sort of very early on in the film, it balloons out into other storylines. So it does still focus on De Vincent and to Neil, but it, it goes out and explores and has a broader uh, view of both your home life as a criminal and your home life as a cop and how you may be deficient at those things for being good at your profession. And it has this amazing secondary storyline, which for the longest time in the movie, you have no idea where it's actually going. And it's uh, a storyline with a character by the name of Donald Breeden and Lillian. And it stars Dennis Haysbert and Kim Staunton. And it's about a guy who's just out of prison and is trying to get a job. And it looks like his girlfriend is just trying to support him here. And we are... At now the 42nd minute of Heat, and we're going to watch this minute. It's a one of the. It, it doesn't have its payoff until much later, but it's such a fascinating indictment of what it's like to be an ex-con, and especially an African-American ex-con in LA at the time. Um, so I'm going to have a watch at it and have a listen. And now you may hear in the background of a couple of podcasts that Andy and I have done that there are children crying. Now, we are both parents of young girls and their mothers are with them i promise you and in sam's last podcast because andy and sam um and sam who has joined us on previous episodes one hit minute is andy's lovely wife um i promise you if you do hear a crying child in the back of one hit minute there is a parent supervising them not just my negligence of leaving a crying child while i record this episode i, I can uh, i can confirm <laughs> that as well <laughs> okay guys so we're going to play this minute you're going to listen to it along and then Andy and you know i'm going to come back and chat about it for real Gonna do good. 
Michael? I'm down breathing. Pearson, my parole officer, told me to come by here and said you had a job for me. So you're familiar with this kind of operation, huh? Yeah, man, I'm a great grill man. Good, good for you. Here, you'll mop out the toilets, hit the dishwasher, fuss tables, and empty the garbage, too. Give me a hard time, I'll report you loaded, drunk, or stealing, and I will violate you back so fast you have a spin. 25% of your take-home kicks back to me. Rules of the game. Paul Grierson, check it out. Change in the back. Well, what are you waiting for? Ah, Bud Court. Bud Court, who has been in a million movies, is the absolute douchebag of a manager right here. <laughs> and uh, he's almost unrecognizable, but uh, yeah, it's an, ac an accurate portrayal of, of uh, managers at those sort of establishments, I think. It's like, yeah, he it does. Just... It's so. I just love body. Uh, Heat is a film that I think body language is, does so much, like in lots of different performances. And Bud Court here, you know, if you look at Dennis Haysbert, strapping, beautiful, fresh out of major league, a comedy movie, plays Pedro Serrano, a big, goofy, you know, um, African-Cuban-looking, you know, guy. And he's just a handsome man, strapping tall. He walks in, and this tiny little weedy Bud Court with his hunched shoulders is looking down, and he doesn't even look, look at him. him. He doesn't care who he is. He he just needs to fill a role. Yes. And this person that's walked in is going to fill the role that he lays out. No matter who he is, whatever skills he has, you're here to do this job. Yeah. And yeah, the the, the camera zoom in on Dennis Haysbert's face just reveals what what he's feeling. Uh, it just it just reveals that he probably was talked to better in prison yes. than he was being talked to here. He was respected more. Yeah. And so the minute starts, and we're kind of doing one of those things that. One Heat Minute is now uh, sort of characteristic for, which is we're sort of splitting a great scene of um, Lillian and Don. You know, she's she's wishing him well. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do good. You know, she's like encouraging, oh, I think, you know, you know, this could work. You know, it's only short term, being super happy and positive. And he gets out and you can tell that her influence is helping. And so he sort of walks in with his resume He's looking pretty sharp, you know, pretty clean cut. He goes in there and it's, we're 14 seconds in and Bud Court is doing the, is doing the, uh, the gestural actions of, uh, that he maintains throughout the next like 45 seconds of this scene, which is head down, barely even raises his eyes to camera. The camera has to pan up. This is how, you know, Dennis Hayes was really tall. The camera actually has to pan up to get him into frame. Yeah. Um, and he walks up to him and, you know, realizes that he's the boss based on what he looks at. He, he casts his eyes to him just to establish the person standing behind him. But that is the bare level of acknowledgement that he's getting. It's really interesting. Yeah. And he ought to, he already sees that he's, this is not going to be a, a job where there's going to be that back and forth respect or any sort of camaraderie or friendship at all. It's just going to be, I'm going to be a, a slave to this man. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, 41 minutes, 28 seconds, there's a freeze frame. And just to remind you guys, we're not on the definitive edition of Heat, we're on the theatrical cut on the Blu-ray, uh, Warner Brothers Blu-ray. But if you have a look at it, there's a perplexed look towards his introduction. He's like, oh, I was told that I could come here, I'm a great grill man, I, I'm trying to be positive about this experience as well. You can tell that Lillian's rubbed off on him in that case. And Bud Court's character just doesn't, no, 
doesn't care. And so when he starts talking, it's, it's, you know, yeah, what, what can you do? I'm a great girl, man. Here you'll immediately, no, here you'll mop the floors and clean the toilets and you'll take out the garbage. 25% of your salary kicks back to me. Mm. <laughs> like, is it any wonder then that a guy like this would be driven to crime? Uh, if, if, if you come out and you have to firstly do a, you know, you're working in a low tier cafe and just some anywhere in LA, you're probably going to be paid less. There's probably certain jobs that you can get when you come out of prison. And then you get something like this and you've got to love, like there's this great, and it's, it's very good staging from Spinotti here because they're both in focus completely. And you can just see the mutation of Dennis Haysbert's face is, but course, just, you know, par for the course, I've said this to a hundred ex-cons and I don't care what happens to them. Mm. Um, and here he's just like, it goes from firstly, are you disrespecting me because you're not looking at me? And then secondly, oh no, you're disrespecting me and I want to pick you up and break you (laughs) because physically he looks like he could do that, but it's, it's, it's a slow realization that not only is he, uh, not going to be given a job that he's going to be satisfying, but he's going to be exploited. Exactly. Yeah. And this is, this is meant to be his path to be on the, back on the right track again. Yes. And he, he sees that this is not going to be, this is not going to provide that. No. It's not going to be, it's not going to be satisfying. He, but he knows he needs to do this because he's got this supportive girlfriend who he'll do anything for, who's got all his confidence up and he knows he doesn't want to let down. And also, yeah, he needs to stay out of prison again. But all, all that confidence sort of drains out of his face in that scene then. And he, he wants to pick up Bud Cord and you know, push him <laughs> against the door. Um, and, but you know, he, he restrains himself at that moment. But you can see it also um, then how narrow the kitchen is and how small... Or well, seeming like either in the kitchen there, but this very small space. Yes, it's almost like a, a new cell. He's gone. He's left. He's left a cell. Come out in the real world again, and just to find himself back in a new one. Yes, under a new warden, and uh, and an asshole of a warden yeah. at that. And what's what's cool here is um, the framing. First is they're both in focus, and the focus is that Bud Court's character is not going to look at him. He's going to dismiss him. He's going to he's going to exploit. Um, but what's really good is. I suppose for us, because right now in the context of the film, we've only just been introduced to them. There's probably a couple of seconds in the preceding minute that we actually see them. Mm. But here in this moment, it's it's like 41 minutes, 42 seconds is where I've frozen. It's probably about a second earlier. Spinotti changes the camera and it really gets us into this guy to convey stuff because there's not a lot of dialogue from Hayes Burt as Don Breeden at all here. No. He's just kind of like introducing himself and then he's just hit with a barrage of, this is the very small, like literal verbal box that I'm going to give you to work in and the very physical box that I'm going to um, uh, make you work in. And you just see him, you know, all that positivity, all that stuff about you can get a second chance. Um, it, it, it drains so perfectly. Haysbert here, he looks him up and down. There's like, I can't believe I'm listening to you on his face. And then there's a change, which is like helplessness, which is, such an amazing performance. It takes all the focus away and there's that, his head tilts 41 minutes, 53 seconds and he's like thinking about it. He, he shuffles in his posture. He almost because, wants to run for the door at that point. Yeah. He's like considering... I wish I'd just... I wish I'd vanished. Yeah. I, I, I wish, he's wishing he had another option at this point. He's got nothing. But he doesn't. And yeah, he sort of shuffles and considers turning around and walking <laughs> away. But then 
he he finally gets the, sort of the reaction, or he get, he gets a um, Bud Court turns around and faces him, only to I think Bud Court an order. Do you, do you think Bud Court has maybe turned around and someone in if you're thinking about his character, has, he's turned around and people have have gone <laughs> like if they've said. 25 who say your pay is coming back to me you're cleaning toilets like mm. I think maybe Bud Court now having watched this again and again like maybe Bud Court has like had to check that he's still there yeah he's, he's experienced he's on that same spiel in the past turned around the person's gone gone yeah well here he turns around and sees that still this there. guy is still there so he has the power so that's it he's locked yeah. him in yeah. what's really great about this scene and now this is what I don't know about people who haven't watched Heat or haven't watched it as much because you know you have when you watch Heat like once or twice you have a really great thread of memorable moments there's big moments there's action sequences there's huge huge performances and uh, people who are memorable like your Pacinos and De Niro's you might not know Dennis Haysbert you might go oh that's the president from 24 I know that guy um, or if you're like a, a crazy independent uh, Hollywood movie fan you're like that's Bud Court um I think if you've watched it before, uh, only like once or twice, I wonder how much this scene resonates with you. Like when you're watching it, are you thinking, where the hell are we going with this? Because I can't, this is one thing I'm finding difficult to recall because I watched it so long ago is early on when I watched this scene, was I feeling like it was an unnecessary digression or was I confused as to whether it was, it was going somewhere? And then what I then love about the sort of echoes and the beats um, in the story is that later on it has such a powerful pay, like it has such an amazing payoff. Mm. It's 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 a slow burn. This is like a cookie that gets left here, and then you sort of pick up the the crumbs later on. So, um, yeah, I wonder about you. Like watching it recently, is this something like that? I feel like when I watch the Don Breeden story, get. In repeat viewings, I appreciate the art of the that in the script, but I'm wondering about people who are watching it for the first time. Are they like, are they going, oh, this is unnecessary or is it necessary? I think when I first saw it, I was I was there for the action. I'd heard yeah. about the shootout, <laughs> yeah. so I think the first time I didn't really appreciate any of the backstories. I, I yeah. thought, why do we need all this? I just want to get to the the cops and robbers business. Um, so I, my first reaction, I can't really recall it, but I remember it probably was. Yeah. You know, is this necessary? Why do we need to focus in on the intricate personal lives of these characters? But when you come around to watching it again and again, you do realize that it's all it's all essential, and and that and that it adds stakes to everything you're watching. Yes. Um, when you see these characters and what and what they're sort of sacrificing to be who they are, um, in, under pressure in a shootout or risking their lives for something, then yeah having that having that backstory or learning enough about them this situation it goes a long way to making you feel everything and I, and I think that's like the whole joining the dots thing in a really great script mm-hmm. where you think about loops not being closed or the frustration of like oh, where did that storyline go or was that a satisfying end to that story and I think in Heat one of the things that I find doing this podcast and, and being a huge fan of this film is I'm not dissatisfied with any of these what would normally be considered a digression, but I feel like it's like the entire world builds out beautifully. You get to feel different experiences. And I think for a film, you know, that, um, that talks about the convict experience really heavily. And we see, you know, different criminals who've been in prison who are being exploited as rats. And you see criminals who are like having to, 
basically sacrifice their humanity to maintain a way to avoid being, you know, um, imprisoned again. Um, you feel like with Breeden, it's like, this is more of a societal view of going, okay, well, like, let's have a look at what drives these guys to go back to crime outside mm. of, you know, impulse. Because we've seen gambling, we've seen, like, obsession on the De Niro and the Pacino side. Mm. And I love here is, like, this is a guy that actually feels, like, he feels like he wants a second chance. And then immediately you see his, like, reflexive action is to go, oh, God, I... I don't, you're putting me into a corner that I don't, that I don't want to be in right now. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have to grin and bear it. But it makes so, like, it makes that final scene, this is the other impossible thing in this podcast, is not talking about the future minute, but it makes that future minute so powerful. And you are ready for him to go. And you actually want, if what's crazy is you're like, yes, abandon your girlfriend, mm. abandon this working life, go and steal a bunch of money with these guys because they might get away. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. It, it's, it's, it was worth, you feel like it's worth the risk. Yes. Um, and, that, and I guess that... It's that, either Bud Court or death in prison and maybe, I don't know which one's worth. Yeah, like we talked about the uh, Albert character in an earlier, uh, earlier episode, um, he's backed into a corner as well. He's... He's not in a literal corner, but he, he feels like he's got no other options. He, yes. he has to take this job, but, but then eventually, uh, you know, he makes a decision that he feels he has to make at that time. And you understand why he makes that decision based on what we see throughout his experience in, in this establishment with Bud Court. And, like, for context, right, it's 1995. Dennis Haysbert at this time is, like, known as the guy from Major League, not the guy from 24 that most people know him as today. And so he's done comedies, and he's a comedy actor. And, I, and what I love, I think, about One Eight Minute is, like, 70 speaking roles mean that these guys get an ex- get a time that they can really shine. And this is, like, a... Even though it's, like, a morsel of a performance, it's only probably about five minutes in 170 minute running time, he gets to really showcase um, his, his power as like conveying a performance as a serious dramatic actor, like uh, as a guy who's just been busted out, you know, but not busted out of prison, but just been released from prison. He's, he's, he's on parole and he's trying to do his very best to sort of uh, hear and, and just play him off against Bud Court and Bud Court is, he's the establishment. He's everything. Well, yeah, we're seeing a, a portrait of, the criminal criminal world and all sorts of criminals. Yes. You're seeing someone like Anil, who's a, a, a professional through and through. He will go from job to job. He doesn't know how to do anything else, doesn't want to. Yes. You see a psychopath like Wayne Grow, who's just <laughs> in it for kind of the fun of it. The thrills. You know, the yeah. thrills, yeah. He doesn't care about anybody. Uh, he'll do whatever it takes to, <laughs> to get the money or whatever it is. And then you've got, you've got a guy here who you know, may not have wanted to be a criminal, but was forced down that path. And, and here's a chance to start afresh and, and not be in that world. Yeah. But what isn't that world is, is, is not exciting. It's not glamorous. In fact, it's oppressive. Yeah. And, and it's, it's man, I think having a good little commentary, like a social commentary on like institutionalization mm. and like the African American, you know, parole experience almost. And without sort of trying to, commentate on it in a really specific way he's like going well this is the world like he's doing it as an as an authentic way as he's digressing onto like neil's love life and chris and charlene's home life it's it's very understated but it's it's very it feels really profound 
Yeah, and you get the sense that so many parolees have come through, come through oh, here. So it's, it's part. It's like, it's like that the, the speech parole, is so rehearsed. Yeah, the the, the parolist has, has given no effort into finding a, jo- a good job. It's just oh, here's here's the one on the top of the deck every time. Yep, we'll set you up with this, promising the world. Yes, only to, only to when he walks through the doors with best intentions, regime at the ready, shirt tucked in. You yeah, know, every everything he's doing everything everything right. Yes, only to be ignored. And and then given an order, uh, in a, in a way that would be is so belittling that he probably had he found more respect in prison. You know, he would have had more respect, had more responsibility, and probably was spoken to better in prison <laughs> by guards he, by guards than he is now. And, and I'm leaving you with a right on the edge of this minute, and this is another one of those unfortunate ones that I don't just have a few extra seconds. Is that Bud Court turns around and goes, "What are you waiting for?" And that's it. He just waits for a reaction. He's either going to go... You know, maybe he's had people walk out halfway through the speech, walk out at the end of the speech. But I think once you don't react to him, as as Don does here, he's there. We don't even view this as, as possibly his first day. It, it, it might be a meet... <laughs> you know, a meet yeah. and chat. It's, he might have been like, yeah, start Monday or something like that. Yeah. But it's not start right now. No, right? start yeah. right now, clean up. Garbage there, 25% of your pay comes to me, mm-hmm. change in the back, do it right now. Yeah. What are you waiting for? And, yeah, it's... It's tragic. It's, it's a heartbreaking moment, and, yeah, it, later on in the film, um, it, it totally makes sense what, um, what uh, Don decides to do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the... One of my favourite minutes on rewatch. So you've got the big moments, but I think these small moments are so much more rewarding to discuss. And these characters, these little, these little mini arcs within um, the the overarching great sort of epic tale that Heat is. Andy Buckle, thank you so much, sir, for joining me again. A top ten Heat lover has always got a place on one Heat minute. Um, you can find Andy talking about movies. Film Festival, Darlings, and the 76ers at, at Buckle22 online or an online universe when he dabbles in writing. Again, he's a great critic um, and uh, and you can check out some of his stuff on graffiti with punctuation.com as well. Um, I've been Blake Howard. At Blake is Batman is where you can find me. Thank you to Garth Franklin who does some of our website design, Paul Davies for our music, and thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. You can find everything for One Heat Minute at oneheatminute.com, all of our subscription pages. And finally, if you want to email us in if we've missed something or if you think there's something really cool you want us to talk about, mail at oneheatminute.com is where you can find us. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Blake.